right, ladies and gentlemen, it is week two of the preseason for your Philadelphia Eagles. It's your boy KB coming at you with another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia and joining me uh, because he's my certified New England Patriots guy outside of our fantasy football dudes that are up in Massachusetts doing the thing for us. The only other New England guy I trust to bring me Patriots news, notes and in-betweens is my man Ryan Spagnoli from Pat's Pulpit. Welcome back to the show, man. What's up, man? How's everything going? It's been a while. It's been a couple of years. It's, it's been well. a while. Uh, the last time we talked, Tom Brady was still in a Patriots uniform. And uh, God, you guys... It feels like so long ago. <laughs> it feels like a decade ago. It's wild. Uh, but welcome back to Eagles Enemies. Eagles and Patriots are uh, squaring off in the preseason this year. They're doing joint practice that everybody is uh, up in arms about one way or another. But uh, let's let's get the lowdown. You know, you're you're all over the Patriots right now. Congrats on the blue check. You got credentials to Pat's camp. What's the vibe been around uh, around this Patriots team this time around? As last year was kind of you know an anomaly in terms of uh, the New England Patriots over the past two decades. Yeah, I think when you look back at last year from a Patriots perspective, it was pretty. It's it's kind of shocking that team won seven games considering the circumstances. Right, you had. Cam Newton come in four weeks before camp. You had so much turnover on both sides of the ball. Obviously, the opt-outs of Chung and Hightower and Marcus Cannon. Uh, so a lot of key vets, too, obviously, with Tom Brady walking out the door. I think they just they were just so inexperienced last year. They had played a first-place schedule. Um, so, yeah, you're right. An anomaly, right, something we're not used to up here, seven wins. That was the first time they had that double-digit wins in 20 years. Um, so it was definitely different, but I think this year, obviously Cam Newton's back looks a lot more comfortable under center, more comfortable inside, in, inside the huddle and, and on the offense. Uh, you have a first round pick with Mac Jones, who I think has has really took training camp and OTAs by storm due to his ability to kind of just process things and really be a sponge and learn quick. Um, and then obviously the, the acquisitions, right? The record setting money that they spent with Hunter Henry and John U. Smith, Matthew Judon, Jalen Mills, who came over from you guys, who still doesn't have a position over here, we, which we can get into. Um, you know, and, and then the, the draft picks, right? Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, Ronnie Perkins. So um, I think this team has a really good uh, balance of both experienced veterans, with who guys who have played a lot of meaningful football games, Hightower, McCourty, multiple Super Bowl winners, as well as younger guys like Jones, like Kyle Duggar last year, Chase Winovich. Uh, Christian Barmore, a good mix there where they're good in the present, and I think the future is pretty bright. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much, you know, from the the first like two decades of our lives with this Patriots team that is so different now with this team. Whether it's you know Cam Newton under center, like you said, bringing in another new quarterback with Mac Jones, uh, that's been the the hot debate, you know, this week especially is like. The comparison of of those two quarterbacks and then Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts, excuse me. Um, what are your vibes on Mac Jones when the pick was made to now? And like you said, he's taken training camp by storm. He's been able to go in and kind of you know get into this offense with Cam Newton, who's a proven veteran quarterback. Uh, what are your vibes on Mac Jones so far? Yeah, like I said, I think uh, it's a perfect quarterback for the, the style of offense that they want to run, right? Um, Everyone in New England was all over Justin Fields, and I think, um, you know, that was kind of the pick that I thought was almost too good to be true, right? A lot of people mocked him there. He had seen him sliding down draft boards 
Uh, it almost seemed like there was too much smoke out there that the Patriots liked them where they would actually select them. And the other thing, too, was I believed it. I think everybody did. Even Adam Schefter reported I thought Mac Jones was a Niner, right? So you, you saw the whole year Mac Jones looked like a Patriots quarterback. It didn't take someone from New England to kind of look at him and say, like, wow, he, he wouldn't fit New England, right? He's a prototypical pocket passer, gets the ball out quick, really good with his reads, very good inside the pocket. Uh, so that's a guy that – really is the perfect fit for their offense. But when, when the pick was made, I mean, it was almost inevitable at that point, right? Everyone up here, the sports radio guys, they say, oh, they were forced into taking them. I think what they did was perfect. They let Mac Jones come to them. They took the guy that they wanted, who they had a first-round grade on, somebody that they knew very well through Nick and the connection with Bill and somebody that they got a really close eye on. They were at both pro days of his. Uh, and they just sat. They didn't go up and get him. They didn't have to give up future assets. So, to get him was a, was an unbelievable patience and um, overall just what he looks like on the field. The offense clicks, man. It, it looks, it looks like the, the offense that we were so used to seeing, right? It's a guy who will stand back there, three step drop, bang the balls out on time in, in rhythm, in timing and things are moving. Um, people get crazy, right? When they hear Tom Brady linked to Mac Jones's name, I mean, it's just not fair to him. It's not fair to anybody. I don't think there'll be another player like him. Uh, to ever play in the league. But when you see Mac Jones in person and you see him under center running the offense, there's a lot of Brady Garoppolo vibes to him. Just like, like I said, with the, the way he can maneuver in the pocket, how he's quick and decisive. Um, I think Mac Jones is, he's a lot more pro ready than I thought. Obviously he's a five-year investment and they don't want to rush him. I think this is ultimately Cam Newton's team for the foreseeable future. Uh, but I think the Patriots are in really good hands with Mac Jones, whether that be week one, week eight or in 2022 and beyond. I also have to ask, because I know you've been around Patriots camp this year and I, I, I might've just missed it. What was the deal with him wearing number 50? So the Patriots, Bill Belichick has every single rookie earn their number. So, right. So every first round draft pick will wear number 50. The second round draft pick will wear 51, 52, so on and so forth. So he didn't get his number until week one of the preseason because he has to. So that's just a little Belichick thing that he does where rookies don't get a number until week one of the preseason. I thought he was just going to go, you know, full-blown two-way player, start playing a little linebacker with the size he has. And I was like, hey, I wouldn't put it past Belichick one bit to have, uh, you know, a guy who may not contribute at his normal position go play another position. But uh, interesting. Uh, but a guy you said who doesn't have a position right now is, is my guy. And it, it pains me to this day knowing that Jalen Mills is wearing a Patriots uniform and not a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. What, what is the deal with the Green Goblin up in New England, and uh, where do you see him fitting into this defense? See, I don't really because obviously he played a lot of corner in Philly and it didn't work out, right? So you guys had moved him to safety. Um, well, I had originally thought they had kind of signed him to be that tight end guy, someone that can be a little bit physical in the box. But they have that in Adrian Phillips, and they're kind of molding Kyle Duggar into that do-it-all safety. Uh, with Stephon Gilmore out and holding out and rehabbing his quad, Mills has seen a lot of time at outside corner as that number two guy outside across from J.C. Jackson. He got burnt a little bit by Terry McLaurin. Obviously, McLaurin's going to do that to a lot of guys. You're familiar with him being in Washington. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the money and the length was a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. I thought they'd have a little bit better of a plan than him. Uh, but I ultimately think he's just taking reps there simply because they really don't have anybody else. I think that's a big hole in that defense, as good as it is. Uh, so I'd be interested to see where he plays 
if and when Stephon Gilmore comes back. I mean, if you guys want to leave him behind in Philly after Thursday so my heart can be at ease with Jalen Mills in, in midnight green rather than that Patriots uniform, I will gladly take him <laughs> off so your you hands. Are, you are, you're a Jalen Mills guy. So a lot of I have guys been, that I know didn't like him. I, I would go to war for Jalen Mills. I love that dude. Um, you know, he'll have those plays where he gets burnt and everything and, you know, it frustrates you, but he'll make the plays and he's passionate. He's a leader in the locker room. And I think that's a, a big thing that, uh, you know, Belichick looks at with bringing guys in free agency from outside of the Patriots organization is can they be a leader, uh, you know, on and off the field? And I think Jalen Mills fits that to a T and, you know, he's going to make plays wherever he is on the field. Um, he will frustrate you, but I, I would go to war for Jalen Mills. And for him being a seventh-round pick when he was drafted back in 2016 to turn into the player he is now, like I think that's an ultimate success. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I like to hear that. That's good news on our front. You guys have another former Eagle in the fold who's been dropping passes apparently at practice this week. Uh, Nelson Aguilar comes in in free agency. What did you make of that signing, bringing him into this wide receiver core that is kind of unproven for this Patriots squad? Yeah, I think Aguilar ultimately, and, and people, like I like to say, I've said it all camp, they see drop next to his name and everybody can kind of, everyone freaks out, right? Because that's kind of carried with him throughout the course of his career. But really, man, he's been the most consistent wide receiver uh, on the field. The money was a little bit head-scratching too. Uh, I think they really saw a role in him. I think he fits perfectly in this offense simply because the Patriots really haven't had a vertical deep threat guy, somebody that can play outside the numbers since Brandon Cooks. And Aguilar's brought that for them. He's been a downfield threat. He's an easy separator, consistently separates down the field. Uh, he's made some unbelievable catches, and, you know, he'll he'll drop some too. But that's, that's the thing with those deep ball guys, right? It's such a low percentage. It's a tough catch half the time. But they're going to have a lot of drops. Uh, so I think, like you said with Mills, Aguilar is a player who's going to make some big plays and you're going to have to live with the drops. That's just the nature of the kind of role he's going to play. Yeah, he's one of those guys, you know, he'll have his ups and downs. Uh, but another guy that like I was super happy to see him like succeed with with Vegas last year and have the season he had like a lot of, you know, you'll get the the stereotypical Philly fans that are like, oh, there goes Aguilar again. And you have the guy who gets interviewed on the news, uh, you know, catching babies out of windows and everything, unlike Aguilar. But I think for the most part, a lot of, you know, Philly fans were happy for Nelson Aguilar to go out there, uh, you know, kind of rebound his career. And now he's got a, a home with New England. Um, another wide receiver, though, that's been all over the place since he's gotten to New England. He's been tied in trade talks numerous times. People have, have brought up rumors, you know, should the Eagles go trade for this guy? Nikhil Harry, he's been such an interesting player because He's got all the makings to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL, and it just hasn't been put together. What have you seen from him this uh, this preseason? What do you expect from Nikhil Harry uh, in this offense with Cam Newton this year? You know, I'd be surprised if Harry makes the team. I really would. I think um, it's a little bit of both. I think they've struggled to really put him in a situation to succeed the last few years. His rookie year, he missed the first eight games, nine games came into an offense with an upset Tom Brady, somebody who had the foot out the door. It takes a lot and a lot of time to build that trust with Brady. So he really never had a role. Then last year you had COVID. It's a very important off season for guys. Year two guys making that leap to be in the building, get more reps in, get more comfortable. You bring in a guy like Cam Newton who struggled to bring things, pick things up and 
and really drive the football down the field. Uh, so I don't think it's been fair to Nikhil Harry. I just think things just haven't worked out. But on his side, you know, the pick is a head scratcher, right? He's a good guy outside the numbers, makes these incredible catches, jump ball, go up and, and, and moss a receiver. But he's slow feet. He doesn't really create much separation. He's really just a 50-50 kind of goal ball guy. Uh, and with an offense that's going to have two tight ends on the field for the majority of the game, uh, and Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers ahead of him on the depth chart, I don't know if it's worth risking a uh, wasting a roster spot for a guy that you're really not going to play and have much of a role for. So um, I think Harry and New England both would, um, I think, benefit from a change of scenery. There's been a, a couple guys move on from the New England Patriots this past offseason as well, headlined by you know, Julian Edelman. And uh, who do you think is the number one guy that the team is going to miss that's been around this squad for a couple years? And who do you think the number one guy that fans are going to miss uh, that's no longer with New England going into 2021? Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports team's Go to work, and with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's it's Julian Edelman and Patrick Chung. I think two guys that wore their heart on their sleeve, both want, played very meaningful and important football games for the team down the stretch. Uh, and those are two guys that's just really hard to replace, right, in terms of longevity and what they meant. And they were just true patriots. So I think those two guys will be missed, but obviously both retired and and uh, are, are at peace with their decision and obviously appreciative of their hard work for, for as many years as they were here. Eagles fans will tell you otherwise about Patrick Chung. We will say he is very replaceable uh, because we did that after one season. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, hey, that guy had a role here, and he mastered it. He was a tight end stuffer, uh, played in the box, tough physical guy. Uh, he was a lot more valuable to the Patriots than the Eagles, I'll say that. Absolutely. And speaking of tight ends, Patriots bring in two brand-new shiny toys to this offense at the tight end position, which is like what they are known for is, is having dynamic tight ends, uh, but bringing in both via free agency, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Were you surprised that – you know, this front office went out, made splashes across the board in free agency, but went out and got essentially the two premier tight ends on the free agent market to bring in uh, for Cam Newton. I was like, wow, OK, they 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 clearly have a plan here. They want to get back to that two tight end set that they had success with with Gronk and Hernandez and then Gronk and Martellus Bennett. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was shocked. But I think those two signings uh, gives you a lot of flexibility if one were to go down obviously we both know that position um guys tend to get hurt right it's a position where you're you're involved in pretty much every play run game pass game the patriots really value that position and they've got literally nothing from that really even since Gronk's 
before Gronk's last year, he was kind of a shell of himself. Um, so, yeah, I, I think those two will be uh, X factors for this offense going forward. So with Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, like they're primarily known, like I'd say from the outside looking in from like a fantasy football perspective where everyone's like, oh, they're going to be my pass catching tight end. They're going to score me touchdowns. And I think that was like a product of their environment too, coming from the Chargers and the Titans. How do you view both of them getting, you know, the most out of their, their skill sets in this Patriots offense while also still having to defer to one of them to be a blocking tight end for Cam Newton or whoever's under center? we all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons but what if i told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football baseball basketball or hockey come join me dom ponteri and harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the outside the box podcast talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, for sure. I think both of them complement each other very well, right? I think uh, Jonu Smith is a guy who I think could be kind of a Kyle Juszczyk for them, where they can kind of line him up all over the formation in the backfield, kind of in the underneath game, line him up outside in the slot, where Hunter Henry's more your prototypical tight end where he's going to put his hand in the dirt and contribute in the run game, be a little bit of a seam runner and stretch the field, and also you know just be a beast in the red zone like we saw during his time in uh, San Diego and L.A. So I think they're both two different types of tight ends, but I think it's obviously valuable when you have those guys, right? Everyone talks about the Patriots and their lack of skill at wide receiver and I think it, it's they can get by with it simply because those two tight ends will, you know, complement each other and demand, you know, 20, uh, 40 to 50 percent of the targets to go around. And, you know, they're like you mentioned earlier too, a bunch of guys coming back from, you know, taking the year off, choosing to opt out. How big is it to get some of these guys back that did decide to, you know, forego 2020 and they're coming back this year, a full year of, you know, fresh legs, fresh body fully recovered from 2019, now going into 2021. So Patrick Chung obviously retired. Marcus Cannon was traded. Uh, I believe of the opt-outs, the only two they got back were Brandon Bolden, who's a you know a core special team or somebody that's kind of a team captain, been here for a long time. And then obviously Dante Hightower. I think it's huge for him um, to have that opt-out year. He's a guy who you know, had a lot of mileage on him. He's been in the heart of that defense, played a, a big role for them for a long time. So taking some time off to kind of get his body right. Uh, he he talked to the media, talked to us a few weeks ago, said it's almost a fresh start. He feels the best he's felt in years. I think for him, it, that was super beneficial. It was almost like why worth it? Why risk it last year when it wasn't really worth it considering the circumstances? Now he's back in the middle of that defense. He's super important to what they want to do uh, and a leader right in the middle of that defense. How fun, weird, kind of, you know, deja vu is it to have Matt Patricia back with this coaching staff? It's a little weird. Uh, I don't think he's not really a coach. No one knows his role, right? Like (laughs) that Ernie Adams role that everyone talks about in New England, he's kind of in that role where he's like in the front office, but he's also on the field. Um, All the contracts that they signed, his name was under it. He signed the contract, so... 
he's almost in like a GM, like no one knows. Right. So, and that might be the best situation for him, I think, because Nick Foles shredded him in his last game. A lot of people have a sour taste uh, to him. And then obviously his tenure in Detroit. So uh, I think it's good to have him back. He has some, you know, uh, he's a familiar face here. He has, you know, obviously a good relationship with the crafts and Belichick. And I think this is ultimately a spot where if he's going to succeed in the league, it should be here. Um, but I think the role he's in now is kind of a wait and see. And as long, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> is it is it weird to you? Because I think from like an outside perspective, looking at every coach who leaves New England, tries to go somewhere else and do it, it, it has been primarily unsuccessful outside of Brian Flores right now, who is still down in Miami. But, you know, that verdict is still out too with everything that ends up happening with Tua and everything. But is it strange that like once guys leave this Belichick coaching staff, it just seems to not work out wherever else they go? It is a little strange, right? Because everybody talks about the coaching trees, right? The McVeighs, um, the Andy Reeds, you know, those guys. Um, and I, I never really understood why, but I, I, I do want to give credit where it's due. Michael Lombardi talked about it, I think, in one of his pre-draft when this kind of similar conversation came up. And I think it was the best way to, that that has ever been described. I think Belichick is just so smart um, and, and does things a certain way where it's just – it's almost unteachable how he thinks, how he looks at the game, how he attacks things from a situational and a game plan perspective, whereas guys like Andy Reid and Sean McVay and guys like that are maybe a little bit more innovative and can, you know, uh, maybe a little bit more hands-on and, and, and a new school type. Um, so I think that's that's kind of been the issue. Um, with it. Um, and I also think too, like it's just old school. Right. And I think the coaching tree for Belichick has gotten a little bit better. Right. I think Flores, you can even throw Mike Vrabel in there, I guess, mm-hmm. because he played for him. So it's getting there. Right. But I think, uh, ultimately the only real explanation I have for that is, is that. Yeah. It's, it just always seems like, and they always tend to come back too, which is the weird thing is like, you know, they'll leave, take a year or two off and then boom, they're right back with the Patriots. And it's just like, why'd you leave in the first place? Uh, Josh McDaniels wasn't ready yeah. when he left. I think a lot of these guys just aren't ready. And, but they're attractive because of the success that Belichick has when, you know, I think he's kind of running the show and they're just, you know, bystanders. Uh, and I don't want to sell them short. Obviously they do do a great job. I think if McDaniels left now, I think he'd be a great head coach. I think at the time, you know, and Brian Flores, what he's done in Miami, kind of turned that, you know, that was a crapshoot when he took over. And now they're a contender. So were you surprised that Kyle Van Noy came back? To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. No, not at all. I think uh, another guy, right, that there's just been so many over the course of the, uh, of the year and I guess the dynasty, right, that guys come here, they have a role, they master it, the Patriots, and one thing they're so good at is finding a player. Give me a player and show me what he can do rather than what he can't do. They'll find a role that he's really good at, and he that that's your role. Do it and do it well. Kyle Vannoy is a perfect ev- example of that. We got him from Detroit, I believe, for like a six-round pick, came over, was a huge piece in that Super Bowl run versus Atlanta, goes and gets a bag of money, 
it just can't be replicated in the style of defense. And obviously the, the familiarity with, with flow should have helped him. Uh, but I think that's just ultimately what it is. These guys that go get big contracts, right? Trent Brown, Trey Flowers, right? So good here. I don't know what it is. And they go elsewhere and they just can't seem to replicate it. So, I mean, yeah, Trent Brown's back too. He was a guy who was one of the best right tackles in football, signed the biggest contract ever by an offensive tackle. And he, he's been horrible since he left. And now he's back here and he's more comfortable. And I just think that's, that's it. It's just something about them finding a role and, and just being able to master that. And man, am I happy Chris Long was able to master that role in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, this I, I've been trying to add new segments to Eagles enemies this year and, uh, you know, kind of getting into the theme of this Patriots team. There's a bunch of superhero nicknames. You got Superman. You got the Green Goblin. If you had to pick the next superhero to kind of emerge from the ashes from this Patriots team, who do you think would uh, garner a, a pretty awesome superhero nickname? Oh, that's tough, man. I would say I, I want to say J.C. Jackson. I don't know what superhero, right? He's kind of like a silent killer. He's a guy who doesn't have social. He doesn't. He's not on social media much. Um, was second in the league in interceptions. Just came in as the 49th ranked player in the league. Undrafted out of out of Maryland. Um, I'm not a superhero guy. I was when I little, so I forget it. Maybe you can help fill in the blank here, but he's a guy that ultimately is going to get a bag of money here or a lot more money somewhere else. Both him and Gilmore are up next year as unrestricted free agents. JC Jackson's just 25 years old. I think a top 10 cornerback in the league, he's kind of overshadowed because everybody, when they think of cornerbacks for the Patriots, obviously it's Stephon Gilmore. Uh, but I think if Gilmore's held out, the Patriots are a really good situation because I think they have two number one cornerbacks. So um the league's on notice now with him he's not flying under the radar if he gets to the open market he's all gone because somebody's going to give him a lot of money uh so someone like that i think he's like kind of a silent killer somebody that doesn't say much but he just goes out every sunday and balls out he is probably in my top five favorite players that don't play in philadelphia or have never played in philadelphia he's just so fun to watch he's energetic out there and like he knows like what's in front of him, the, the job he's trying to do. He gets it done every single time he's out there on the field. It's been that way since he came into the league, really undrafted guy. I think he had some off the field issues, which is why he kind of went undrafted. But he comes here. He doesn't say much at all, man. He's kind of like Stephon Gilmore where they're just they just don't say much. They go out and do their job. I, I think uh, whoever the Patriots decide to pay, I think if I had to pick as well as Gilmore's been and how good he is. He is 31. J.C. Jackson's 25. He's a homegrown guy. He's undrafted. I think you may be able to get a little bit of a discount there. Certainly less money than he would get on the open market. Um, it's J.C. Jackson. I think he's a future number one corner, for, if not for the Patriots, for 31 other teams. It's insane, insane, insane that he's 25. Insane that he's 25. He's just he's, – he's a guy that, like, last year you really started to see him kind of, like, blossom into his own and, like – exude that confidence that he has out there at which every corner needs like if you're a corner and you don't have a confidence factor about you or a swagger about you which is i think why i love jalen mills so much like even if he doesn't make a play he's still confident in himself that he's going to rebound and go out and make the next play jc jackson just has a confidence about him when he's out there that he's the best player on the field yeah and i, and I think is a big task at hand right I, I don't know there's not much coming out from the gilmore front I think it's kind of a game in cat and mouse. And 
I don't know if the Patriots are going to fork over any money. He's set to play for $7 million this year because they moved money from this what would be this year, last year, move him up to get $15 million. Uh, he's much he's worth much more than seven million but uh, that's a contract you signed they renegotiated last year he held out last year I, I don't know if there's much to be done for him they it's not like they can move money around because he's just on a one-year deal at this point so for Jackson it's a big chance to get some number one guys right and see how he can develop into because he I mean it does help having Gilmore on the other side and you know when they're throwing at you most of the time because Gilmore's side of the field is completely shut down, you're going to get a lot of picks. You're going to get a lot of targets and and have the the statistics. But now with the number one, right, he's going to have to go up against the Stephon Diggs twice a year, uh, uh, Jalen Waddle or, or Will Fuller. You know, he's going to get those guys. And can he handle that? I think he can for sure. Um, but he'll get a, a you know a longer test this year than than last. Being in a division that, you know, for the last two decades has been dominated by the Patriots up, you know, a couple of years here and there, 2008, the Dolphins win it, the Bills win it last year. Is it fun, even though, you know, you got as Patriots fans and, and guys who cover the team, you know, you're used to just being at the top, used to this excellence. Does it add a little bit more fun knowing that the division is competitive and it's going to be, you know, a, a dogfight week in and week out between the four teams in the division? I do. I do think I think the Bills being good is good for football, too. Right. It's a passionate fan base. I think they've they've really waited a long time to have a true contending team. Um, obviously, as a fit, the fan in me. Right. It's like, God, oh, geez. But for, for the longest time, really, all, all my life, it's like there's six wins right there. Right. Like, you know, you, you'll have going to Miami. They'd always lose one in Miami for some reason. They could never win there. Right. That was you could kind of cross that off as at least one L. And the divisional games, as bad as it was, they're always going to be tough no matter what, just because you, they, they know each other so much. But uh, I think it's good knowing going into a year where three teams could, could you know, make a case for winning. I think what the Dolphins, if Tua can elevate his game, there's no reason that team shouldn't be a playoff team, right? They were close last year uh, with the additions they have on both defense and offense, drafting Jalen Waddell and um, you know how good can Tua be. It really relies on him. And that was the same with the Bills. Everyone. The Bills were kind of like the Dolphins were last year, right? They took that step. They were close. They were pushing the division. They won. They lost the division week 16 in New England. And then going into last year, it was like, if Josh Allen can really elevate his play, this team's going to be good. Look what happened in the AFC Championship game, right? So I think if the Dolphins can get that out of Tua, this division will be an absolute dogfight, and I think come down to week 17. Have a lot of people started to come around to – enjoying cam newton being the quarterback of the new england patriots i know it was very like split between like oh i can't wait till this guy's out of here and you know people trying to give him a chance what's kind of the vibe about cam newton going into this season so it's it's i don't know i mean like i was a big Jarrett Sidham guy i thought he, he deserved a shot last year i'm sure you knew that um and people were split last year right like what's the kid got let's give him a chance he was your guy you didn't draft a guy last year and then there was, you know, the other half of like, this guy's a former MVP talking about Cam. Whereas this year, it's a little bit of both where like now it's, okay, we have a first round pick. This is the future of the franchise. Now it's not like, oh, we got a fourth rounder. Let's see what he's got. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's not. It's like, no, 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 no. Like Mac Jones is the future where Cam Newton's kind of the now. Uh, for me, I was very harsh on his play last year. I didn't think the product that he put on, um, you know, would would ultimately he'd end up back here. 
Um, but I think it, it gets mixed up, right? People that think when you support Mac and what he's doing is so awesome, it's anti-Cam when it's really not. I think Cam Newton, say what you want about his play, it's his all the time. He is one of the best, most genuine people in the league. What He, he wears his heart on his sleeve, super kind, super nice to the media. He's funny. He's energetic, someone who's always got a smile on his face. He's an alpha male in the locker room. Like Cam Newton, the person, the teammate, there is not one guy better in the league. Cam Newton, the player, you know, his better days are behind him. That's just facts, right? It shows on the field. But I do think he does deserve a chance, right? Like he was given the worst deck of cards, whatever the saying is, the worst, dealt the worst hand last year with considering coming in late, no offseason, couldn't get workouts because of COVID and just terrible skill positions. Now they upgraded the team. I think it deserves a chance to, to at least see what you can do. But I do think the leash will be a lot shorter this year with Mac Jones coming on, being the first round pick and progressing faster than I think a lot of people thought. So um, I'm all for, you know, waiting and making sure Mac develops because I, you see it all the time. Everybody labels these quarterbacks as bus. When I, I really think you, you can't be a bus as a quarterback. It's yeah. Fit, it's more about fit and development. And these guys that rush guys along just because they're a first round pick and they kind of give in to the fans, that that's what ultimately leads to this. So I think um, Mac will play when Mac's ready or Cam will come out when Cam can't play anymore, if that makes sense. Totally. And, you know, going into this preseason game, joint practice, I think is always fun to kind of just get a glimpse at what each team is bringing to the table come that preseason game. What are you looking for from the Patriots going up against this Eagles team that there's so many questions surrounding the Eagles this year, new coaching staff, you know, full season of Jalen Hurts under center at quarterback. You know, there's a lot of new pieces on this team, offense and defense wise. What are you trying to take away from this preseason game from the Patriots point of view going up against the Eagles? Yeah, I think it's another opportunity to see uh, these two quarterbacks. I think there is a competition at hand. Uh, I don't know if Mac Jones has enough time to really win the job for week one, but I think the more, the better he can do, the more he can make a case for coming in, you know, in relief duty, if things kind of do go south for Cam. Uh, I do think if they played him, he'd be fine. But at the same time, part of me is like, you spent a first round pick on this guy. If he's not ready and some don't play him. Right. So uh, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders by any means. I think they're a team that will, push for the division, maybe sneak into a wild card spot, play a playoff game, get some experience, and then really push it next year with Mac in year two. I, I say all the time, I, Mac Jones looks good this good now, wait till next year. But as for the game, um, I just I, I think it's another opportunity just really to get these new guys looks, right? This is such a complex offense. Obviously, joint practices, I think Bill and I think a lot of coaches value that a lot more than than the preseason games. Those have like, game-like intensity and it can get fiery out there. I think that's a where the preseason guys are a little bit timid and they're not opening up the playbook. Um, so really anything in specific, not, not too much. Um, but I, I am interested to see Jalen Hurts. I'm a big fan of his. I always was. I think that situation was very similar to uh, – not similar, but I guess uh, a little bit with Jared Stidham, right? They they invested him for at least most of the offseason. Obviously, he got a time last year, and I thought really played well considering the circumstances. Uh, but that's a guy who's an easy guy to work, to root for, and, and a leader. Uh, I'm interested to see how pro-ready he is because from an outsider, 
um, looking in, I, I am rooting for Hertz to, to succeed. I think that's a, like I said, an easy guy to root for. He's battled adversity throughout his whole career. Um, and, and he finally gets a chance to be the guy. So, uh, I'm interested to see how he does, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll get more playing time than he did against the Steelers, but, uh, are you looking forward to seeing your old AFC, uh, championship game rival Joe Flacco? That's right. Yeah. That's another <laughs> guy that just. Talk about a dude who just, you know, 20 picks a year, but when he came to New England, similar to Eli Manning, just somehow just made the throws. And, would, I mean, damn, like they'd face – I'd be more worried about Joe Flacco in his prime Ravens than like Patrick Mahomes. Like, honestly, those dudes just figure out ways to win. Uh, but I do think that's a good guy to have in your room. He's someone who's won a Super Bowl, had a ton of experience, you know, up and down play, right? The whole joke is Joe Flacco elite or not whatever whatever the it's so good to have a quarterback with that much experience in your room and someone for Jalen to kind of lean on and uh he's not really competition but a guy that knows how to be successful in the league and I'd be uh quite silly to not ask you about Chris Hogan going from playing football played a little lacrosse this year now back in the NFL what was kind of the the New England area reaction to Chris Hogan leaving football to go play lacrosse for a little bit well, they were fired up because uh, he played for the Cannons, which the Cannons are their home field is Gillette. Uh, and is he in Philly now? Uh, so Chris Hogan is in New Orleans with the Saints. New Orleans, that's right. Okay, I wasn't sure. I knew he was an NFC team. Um, yeah, I think that guy's he's, his days are behind him, his good days. But, I mean, man, you want to talk about a dude who, like, just came in and mastered his role. He was a big-time piece in a lot of uh, – in a lot of Super Bowl runs. That Atlanta year is really good. That Super Bowl versus the Eagles, he had like seven catches for 130 yards and, and two touchdowns or something. Like he was that dude bald, man, for a guy um, you know, that that went undrafted and played college lacrosse. I mean, talk about an athlete, but yeah, they were they were excited. I, I think the Cannons games like sold out and he I don't even know if he played. Uh so it was definitely good for good for the um the the business side of things, but yeah, I mean that 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 guy will always have a um, you know, a place here in New England fans hearts. I think Chris Hogan's a guy that like once he gets into a division, he's got to play for every team and then he moves on because he played for every AFC East team, played for the Panthers, now he's with the Saints, just waiting for him to play for the Falcons at one point, then go to Tampa, win a Super Bowl with Brady again. I'm surprised that wasn't the move. Uh, oh, him and Edelman going to join him or something. I I would not <laughs> be surprised. Amendola too, he's still unsigned. Yeah, Deion Lewis will come out of retirement next week and be down in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, you're the absolute best, man. Ryan, let everybody know where they can check out everything you do uh, for Pat's Pulpit, where they can follow you on social. Sure, man. I appreciate you having me. It's always a blast chatting with you. Uh, Ryan underscore Spags on Twitter, uh, patspulpit.com. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are Philly fans, but if you're ever into any any Patriots news or anything up, up north, maybe you guys get a, an ex-player of ours. Uh, probably have something on it. So I appreciate you having me, bro. It's always a, a good time. Hope all is well. And and hit me up during the season, even if it's not a, a Patriots game. Love, love talking ball with you. Absolutely, man. Make sure you guys are following Ryan. Make sure you guys uh, follow us on social media as well to keep up to date with everything as we lead into this Eagles-Patriots preseason matchup. Subscribe to the podcast. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, for the final preseason game since we only do three of those now. Uh, thankfully, we don't have to milk a, a long preseason in the NFL anymore. But it's always a blast, Ryan. And uh, whenever the Eagles play the Patriots, you know, you're my guy to go to. Appreciate it, brother. We'll talk soon. All right.
Definitely. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every eagles matchup throughout the season we hope you guys enjoy season four of eagles enemies presented by underground sports philadelphia and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week go birds <laughs>